Hello and welcome to the D2C Podcast Tech Stack Edition. I'm Eric Dick. Today, we're over the rainbow excited to talk with the e-commerce director of one of my favorite apparel brands, Aviator Nation. Aviator creates high-quality garments, sun-soaked in California nostalgia that helps you feel like a rock star every time you put on one of their hoodies. Curtis Ulrich has been part of Aviator Nation since he started slinging hoodies on the floor of their first retail location seven years ago. Flash forward to today, and he's overseeing a $100 million e-commerce channel. After a loungewear boom in the pandemic, Curtis has been focused on retaining as many customers for the long term as he can, and this is what led him to building an app, and that's where Eric Netsch comes in. So Eric Netsch is the CEO and founder of Tapcart. He's just a massive resource when it comes to what brands are doing really well on apps, why you should be considering building an app with your e-commerce store. He's also a hoodie-wearing member of the Aviator Nation himself, which I hope to be soon as well. In this colorful conversation, you're going to hear all about how apps bridge the gap between physical retail and e-commerce. You're going to hear the exact setup that Aviator Nation uses to drive 12% of their e-commerce sales through their app. You'll hear all about how their LTVs and AOVs are increased through their app. You'll hear about the cost per install economy and how that's working for shopping apps, as well as the power of the push notification and why Curtis prefers push to SMS. You'll also hear how Aviator Nation retains its startup feel as a nine-figure business. I hope you're ready to tap that app. On with the show. Traditional marketing is becoming a little bit harder for brands and ads are becoming more expensive, harder to target, harder to attribute. That in itself is where we really like to focus on in terms of being able to get your best customers on a platform where you own the marketing and you own the messaging and the branding. Might have been a nice to have a couple years ago, but now with the economic changes, with the ad platform changes with Apple and Google, like it's even a must have. Being able to reach your own audience is harder than it's ever been. Things like push notifications and mobile apps have really fit in there. So I think that's one that we've seen as a consistent macro trend throughout the last 16, 18 months. Welcome to the D2C Podcast Tech Stack Edition. Curtis and Eric, I am extremely excited to have you guys here. Curtis, I've just spent the past hour or so browsing the Aviator Nation website, trying to figure out which of these garments really speaks to my personality the most. I'm really impressed with the vibrancy of the brand. Can you just tell me a little bit about how Aviator Nation got started, the sort of origin story of Aviator Nation? Yeah, definitely. Um, It definitely is a... Southern California beach vibe uh, sort of aesthetic, uh, which goes to the founding of the brand. Uh, Paige Mikowski, the CEO, designer, founder, still super involved. She creates and designs every piece. Um, She founded the brand in, I think, 2016 out of her garage in Venice Beach, which if you've walked around Venice, like we very much bring that Venice beach vibe. um, And it's kind of become synonymous with Aviator Nation. Um, And so she started making, you know, just garments that she wanted to wear. Um, She was in love with like the old rock and roll t-shirts that were like super loud, expressive, and and just like a vibe. And so she was like, I can't find these anywhere. Um, This is the kind of clothing I want to wear. I guess I'll just make it. So she bought a sewing machine and just started making garments um, out of her garage and selling them on uh, at street fairs on Abbot Kinney. 
And being in LA, you know, you can kind of strike gold if like a celebrity or someone wears one of your garments and she got lucky enough to wear some highly influential people started wearing Aviator Nation and um, it kind of became this like cult classic brand. Like, where do you get it? How do I find it? Um, she was only making them out of her garage. And um, eventually she got put into a few different boutique wholesalers, which she's told the story quite a bit, but um, she was kind of like, that was an oh shit moment. Oh, oh crap moment. Sorry, I don't know that. It's all right, <laughs> no worries. <laughs> um, because she was like, I really need to figure out, you know, I'm a one man team, how to start producing this stuff. Um, and from there, um, in 2016, you know, she started producing garments here in Los Angeles, which is still a big part of the brand that we create everything locally here in LA. And um, opened up our first store in Abikini, and you know, the rest is a little bit kind of history. We now are out of 17 stores um, in a bunch of different major kind of destination-based places around the country, like Aspen, Vail, Miami, North Shore, Hawaii. And yeah, we're still making everything here in Los Angeles. Um, the, the brand's grown quite a bit in that time. Um, I've been lucky enough to be here seven years now. Wow, quite a ride. Yeah, and it's definitely changed and grown. I mean, the whole landscape of, you know, commerce in that time with, you know, e-commerce exploding. Did you start, like, how did you, because you're a director of e-commerce now, how did, like, did you start at the bottom and work your way up kind of thing? Or have you, have you, have they been thinking about a D2C and e-commerce, like, right from the beginning even? Aviator Nation is really just a bunch of, um, it is, like, still that built out of a garage brand. Like, I had no experience in e-commerce. I was working on the sales floor. And then a position opened up where you could work in customer service for e-commerce in 2015. And that was a really small part of our business. We were super focused on our retail stores. Um, and I came in then with no experience in the industry and was lucky enough to ride the wave of kind of e-commerce exploding around that time, as well as the brand itself. And so I've gotten to work my way up from, yeah, just slinging hoodies on the sales floor to being a <laughs> director now of, you know, almost a hundred million dollar sales channel for us. Unreal. Yeah. Now let's talk about 2022. Let's talk about the, like the last, let's call it six months or so. What would you say has been the biggest sort of challenge you you're facing in, in the market right now? Yeah, we, we were pretty uniquely positioned during, uh, the pandemic shutdown, uh, making goods in Los Angeles, um, was actually to our benefit. Um, being a hoodie and sweatpants brand was definitely to our benefit because everyone's new work from home kind of uniform was Aviator Nation. Um, and so during that time, and I know this kind of backs it up a little further than 12 months, but uh, during that time, we, the brand saw just an explosion of growth. Um, we were able to stay open because we started making masks in our production facility. And so we were able to you know, take a part of our production facility and turn it into a mask supply chain that we were distributing out into the community, which allowed us to continue to create our garments and create, you know, or to continue our fulfillment operations. And so in 2020, we just saw this insane growth um, through our online sales channels, because obviously our stores were all closed. Um, and we brought in a ton of new customers. Not a lot of people were advertising on Facebook and Instagram because they just couldn't ship their orders. And so they're like, we're not going to spend money. And so the marketplace wasn't very competitive and it allowed us to just kind of gobble up a ton of, um, of the market really. And so the biggest challenge since then has been, you know, well, how do we keep up with this demand that we were able to, to pull in during 2020? How do we retain those customers? Um, how do we keep them engaged? And so that's kind of been the big focus for us the last 12 months. 
Um, you know, how do we re-engage those customers who discover the brand? How do we continue to grow that customer base um, in an ever-increasing competitive kind of e-commerce environment? Because since then, everyone's online. Everyone's selling direct-to-consumer. Um, and, you know, it's a really crowded digital landscape. And so how do we kind of, you know, continue to make room for us in that? Makes sense, right? I think so many brands are, are feeling the, the come down a little bit about how much e-commerce would grow and how much it grew in that first year. And then it's really kind of come back down to not to still great growth, but just normal growth rather than, you know, 10 years in one year as we sort of experienced there. Eric, what are you seeing in sort of the economy as a whole right now or the e-commerce game as a whole? Yeah, so there's there's a lot going on in the e-commerce game right now. Um, one of the biggest changes in the world that we're seeing is traditional marketing is becoming a little bit harder for brands, um, and ads are becoming more expensive, uh, harder to target, harder to uh, attribute, and you know that in itself is where we really like to focus on in terms of being able to get your best customers on a platform where you own the marketing and you own the messaging and the branding. Um, and that that's something where, you know, it might've been a nice to have a couple years ago, but now with the economic changes, with the ad platform changes with Apple and Google, like it's even a more of a must have um, play for your customers. So, so that's one of the, one of the big things we're, we're, we're seeing um, just in the macro scale of, of, of every D2C brand is just that, audience targeting and being able to reach your own audience is is harder than it's ever been. And things like push notifications and, and, and mobile apps uh, have really fit in there. So there's a lot, lot, lot of other things going on in the economy, but I think that that's one that we've seen as a consistent, um, you know, macro trend throughout the last 16, 18 months. So when then, Curtis, did you guys decide that you were going to make an app a priority? Yeah, we started talking with the Tapcart team, I think, in, in 2019, in just sort of like an exploratory phase. Um, and, and that team's like so great at like keeping up relationships. We didn't decide to, to go with it initially, but like we stayed connected on LinkedIn and they would check in and stuff like that. And then in 2020, when, when the pandemic hit, um, all 15 of our stores at the time pretty much got shut down. And so we were reliant on e-commerce to, you know, keep paying our employees because we paid all of our employees that were not working to keep our factory open, to just basically be the lifeblood of the company. And so it allowed us then to revisit and be like, well, how can we make this e-commerce experience, you know, more impactful, better? Um, everyone's on their phone. And so it naturally just was like, oh yeah, Tapcart, the app, the app company. And so we started looking into, you know, what it would take for us to, you know, launch an app into the marketplace. And um, we're looking at like private apps and things like that. Um, and ultimately those things are just really expensive. And um, the big thing for Aviator, like for us, like I wear so many different hats, like you know, I'll be packing orders. I'll be like, I, some days I'll literally have to drive orders over to UPS because the truck's too full. And so for us to find a partner that is like Shopify, who, you know, has no, you know, where we don't need to have like developers or coders on the team. And I can wake up in the morning and like quickly move things around before my day starts. Um, and it, there's like not much friction in it. That's kind of what led us to decide to launch an app. And like Eric was talking about, just the ability to tap into your customer base. We have such rabid customers who like jump at the first opportunity for a sale, um, who jump at the first opportunity for a new product launch. And because we do make everything here in LA, like our, our inventory quantities are not as big. Um, and so 
the ability, I get freaked out sometimes how quickly the push notification comes to my phone. Like I'll be on the back end of Tapcart and, and hit press and then like all the phones in the office like light up like that. Uh, so the customer has this like insanely quick ability to be like the first to know about something from your brand. And the scarcity Whereas, is like, real they, with your brand, right? It is, this yeah. It's not fast fashion. Correct, yeah. Uh, and you know, we definitely try to work that into our marketing and we might kind of aid that a little bit. Um, but yeah, it's real, and Tapcard allows us to really engage and kind of, you know, get that customer base active. Very cool. What what is adoption rate like? What sort of adoption rate do you look for in you know customers into to app users? Or and I'm also just curious how you actually drive users to use the app. I bet Eric probably has some more some better hard data on like adoption rate and things like that. But I think for our consumers or our online shoppers and whatnot, um, it started off at around like 8%. And I think year to date, we're a little closer to like 12% of total revenue coming through our app. And so it's growing. I think the biggest way for us to, to convert mobile users to utilize our app is just a little pop-up when you visit it on your mobile phone that drives them to the app store to do the download. And, you know, offering discount codes. And, and we actually use the app to kind of bridge the digital and in-person experience a lot. And so we do a lot of different events where we'll be chatting with people one-on-one -on -one and we'll have the QR codes there for people to download the app with a little prompt with some kind of discount code or something like that. And so it, it's an easy way to allow us to, because we'll be at like music festivals and things like that, um, where we're just interacting with tens or hundreds of thousands of people coming through our booth a day. And it's really easy for us to, you know, we might not get a sale, but if a secondary win is like, well, at least we get them to download the app um, or, or something like that. And so it's helped us to bridge kind of like a digital and in-person kind of interaction as well. That's super interesting. I'm just curious, like, do you, have you tested SMS? I'm curious about like SMS versus push because you, one of them is, you know, it's just a straight sort of transactional experience. And one of them is a bit more tied into this community or this app. What, what, how do they compare? Yeah. I mean, we do, we do both. Um, more recently, did we adopt SMS? For us, it, the deliverability is like the big separator. And so when we're using push, um, you know, if our sale launches at noon and we, and we set up the push to go out at 11.59 and the SMS to go out at 11.59, the SMS might not hit my cell phone until like one o'clock just because of like delayed deliverability. And so um, that's a big separator. And so for us, we're, when we talk about that scarcity and like that act now kind of thing, the, the, the app for the consumer allows them to, to act a lot quicker and make that purchase. Eric, what, what are you seeing with brands that are deploying apps in terms of, you know, best practices for getting more users to, to download the app? So Aviator Nation is in the green zone. Uh, we like to see 10 to 30% of total orders coming through the application. So I think that's a, that's a really healthy number to, to target. Sometimes it goes up to 60% depending on the brand and the strategy. And, you know, there's so many ways to influence app adoption. Um, a lot of them can actually be free. So t leveraging your social media following, um, like Curtis said, uh, leveraging your website with your existing traffic and turning mobile website visitors into, into app visitors um, is a great way to do it with things like pop-ups, things like smart banners. Um, there's, there's ways to do incentives uh, as well. So uh, you can actually use the same discount code percentage that you would normally give to a loyal user or or an existing user and turn that into an app exclusive discount um, to get a user to actually download the app and, and, and go through the shopping experience for the first time. Um, a lot of it comes down to exclusivity. That's actually the most 
popular mechanism that we found, especially for brands like Aviator Nation, who have that um, that sellout factor uh, with a lot of um, short inventory. Um, you can actually create exclusive items that only exist in the app. You can create exclusive products, exclusive collections, um, exclusive discount codes, exclusive loyalty plays. So there's like a really good driver for um, that core fan base to download that app, get the updates, and have an exclusive experience that's different from retail, that's different from web. Um, that's really been the most exciting and, and best driver that we've seen out there. It doesn't look like Aviator Nation is a discount brand. It doesn't look like you probably do that much discounting. So that idea of exclusivity plays double in the app where it's just, it's absolutely real. People are, are you know, and that idea of launching something exclusive to the app users, like, like only, you know, a, a, an addition that's only available via the app, I could see being a good idea down the road. Yeah, definitely. We don't actually kind of, we don't run like a continuous sales section or anything like that. And so when we do activate that base and say like there's a sale and it's, you know, a flash sale for this amount of time, like the orders hit like really fast and really hard. And so um, being able to, you know, like I said, tap into that customer base and re-engage them with the app is really crucial for us. How, so, the, the, you know, surprise and delight. Delight is the big word when it comes to, like, usability of apps. Like, what, what do you do in the app to make it a delightful experience, specifically to Aviator Nation? Besides, the brand is just delightful. I, like, I feel like I have to buy one of these things. I'm just going to put it on, and I'll just feel marginally better just by putting on your garments. Is that true, first of all? Um, yeah, I think it's sewn into the tag that you will feel like a rock star when you wear it. Um, yeah. I, it, there's some kind of... I forget the exact messaging, but it's in there. Uh, and it's true. I mean, I, I'll throw on like one of my winter jackets when I'm up on the mountain or something like that. And you really just, you're turning heads, you really stand out. Um, and so, but for the app, I mean, it allows us, we're such a lifestyle brand to like really display a lot of our great content. And um, we do these kind of huge lifestyle campaigns um, where we're out in, you know, Costa Rica or, you know, up in the mountains. And so for us to be able to display like the beautiful, rich content that we have um, on the app is important for us. Um, the, the push notifications obviously are, are, are a big factor. Um, customers to you know, be notified when their order ships, that's really nice. Um, you know, the customer experience for order tracking and, and things like that. Um, and, and the ease of use for like updating. Um, like I, like I said, I can just do it on the fly. Um, I can do it from my phone. And so we can, it's very nimble and allows us to you know, constantly be able to jump in there. And, and as things change, we can update it within seconds, which if you told me before, like, you know, I would have thought we would have need like a team of developers to update something on the App Store or whatever, but it's instantaneous, which is, which is important for us. I can imagine it could be a good channel for your, you know, whether you're you're promoting things from your Instagram feed or whatever, but for a ways for your community to you know, know each other a little bit. I, I just think about like upload a picture of you wearing, you know, one of your things here and having that be a stream in the app. I could be, be a good two-way form of kind of communication, community building there. Yeah, definitely. And I mean, that's one thing that we're always really excited about when we meet with the Tapcart team is sort of like their roadmap and plans for sort of you know, what the app currently is, but like what it's going to become in the future. Because um, much like Shopify, it has like all the essential building blocks, but that long-term vision of, you know, things like you're talking about um, for these different kind of added features um, is really exciting as well. 
the Aviator Nation filter. I could just you guys, you guys must your your all your clothes are like filters. You could make any hoodie look like an Aviator Nation hoodie with the right filter. Just add that. But to the funny pile. enough, you say that uh, we are working on a Snapchat augmented reality filter for a hat right now. Of course you and are. So you, you know, you just it. throw it on and you're wearing the hat. I want the NFT version. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Eric, what else are you seeing uh, innovative brands? I, you know, you mentioned that Aviator Nation's in the green. It sounds like a, a, across a lot of different axes, they're they're probably you know a, a high end specimen. What else do you love to see um, brands you know making use of in the app? Totally, and I can even kind of go into the Aviator Nation app. I am a, a fan myself. I do have the app on my phone. It's in my shopping folder um, along with a lot of other uh, awesome shopping apps and. You know, I think there's a couple things um, Aviator Nation and, and other customers do. So having a segmented experience uh, is big. So like you go into the app, like I can go straight to the men's area um, and start shopping. If I'm shopping for someone else, I can go to gifts. I can go to I can go to the women's section really easily. So like that right away, I can have a segmented experience is, is a great uh, part of the app. This is one that not a lot of uh, people bring to attention, but I stay logged into the app. Um, perpetually. So I never have to go uh, log back in. I'm never logged out. My cart exists indefinitely forever. I'm not losing my items. I'm not losing track of my wish list. Um, so I, I really love that. That way I can shop just a little bit easier. I can add things to my cart. I get reminders when they're on sale or if there's an exclusive drop. Um, the unintrusiveness of the push notifications, I think, is a big one too. It is a fully branded channel. And sometimes with SMS and email, and this is a personal choice. Um, you know, those are my personal inboxes. And when brands are hitting me there constantly, it's just less, I feel less closer to the brand's mission and the brand's vibe overall. So I, I, I really enjoy when I can get kind of the exclusive updates delivered directly to my device and kind of an unintrusive, non-personal. Less mechanical way that text, like so many of them just with big promo codes and alt caps and numbers. And it just seems like a, like a robot's yelling at me about a sale sometimes. Exactly. And, and I know that the um, the Aviator Nation app also has the Instagram uh, shopping embedded directly in there. So if I'm not getting the updates directly through Instagram, just via the algorithm, um, every time I open the Aviator Nation app, I can actually see all of their Instagram posts. I can browse and, and shop things directly from those collections. Um, so, I, so I really like that. Um, and just the VIP loyalty experience is great, too. Every time I buy something, I'm, I'm gaining uh, loyalty points and things like that. So it's, it's just a... Um, those are all just reasons why uh, apps are great and that I just feel that much closer to uh, the Aviator Nation experience. And then where the rubber meets the road, what 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 kind of differences are you seeing in, in AOVs, in LTVs from app users versus non-app users, Curtis? Yeah, um, I, I don't have the, I haven't looked at the numbers fairly, too recently, um, but I think it was, you know, at least 10 to 15 or $20 higher on the app than it was, um, you know, on any of our other channels, which, you know, goes back to the app experience. Um, and it also goes back to that's just where a lot of our loyal customers are living and that's where they're shopping. Um, and so across the board, those, those metrics do seem to be a bit higher on the app or on the app in which Tapcard does a great job of, you know, they have a full backend similar to Shopify where you can view all of that data um, is presented to you in like a very nice, clean way. And, and I love that it kind of mirrors Shopify in a lot of ways, because if you're familiar with one, you can instantly work in the other. Um, yeah, it just makes sense for me. The only time that I probably had like probably a shop too much was was when I was using uh, the Nordstrom app, which is now no longer available in Canada. So I have room in my in my shopping folder to add a new app. So I'll, I'll take a look at this one. 
Hey, Curtis, you mentioned the road Top Cart's roadmap. Eric, what can you what can you speak to that? Like, what are what are you excited about uh, coming down the Top Cart roadmap? We have a couple exciting things uh, that we're working on right now. The you know the biggest area is something that's kind of new to us, and it's around acquisition. It's around getting existing customers, new customers to actually engage in the app experience and adopt the app experience. Um, typically, Tapcart has been purely on the later funnel retention side of the business. Um, so we have a number of new tools uh, launching this quarter that will actually influence a lot more adoption, a lot more usage to just continue making customer lifetime value greater, um, pushing ALV higher. So we have things like App Clips, um, which actually allows users to stream a native application and, and use the AV Nation experience uh, without actually having to go through the tedious download process that the App Store provides. Um, so that's a really exciting uh, product that we'll be releasing. That's been a long time uh, coming. Um, things to make QR code generation and capturing audience a lot easier. So we have a lot of tools. Um, again, just focus on that top of funnel experience um, to make the barrier to entry on the merchant and the consumer side uh, just that much easier uh, to having a better experience with Tapcard and being able to get the app in the shopping folder, not just for, for us three on the call, but for, for millions of other uh, Rabbit fans out there. Other areas that we're kind of doubling down on are analytics, attribution, and uh, just being able to gather more insights uh, on mobile shopping activity that's happening across all of our apps and across um, individual apps to provide better attribution, provide better insight for customers, uh, sorry, for our customers on what strategy they should be focused on and, and what to not focus on. I spent a long time in the paper install space. I was working on a Clash of Clan competitors that Newsflash failed. I didn't, couldn't unseat Clash of Clans when they were paying over $100 per user at the time in 2016 or so. But um, I'm curious, have you experimented or like either either Curtis on, on Aviator Nation or Eric or if other brands that you know are doing this, are there plays to, to run paper install campaigns in order to drive customers? Like even retargeting your loyal customers to say, hey, why don't you jump on the app? Um, is there a play to do that? For us, we, we haven't done that. Um, we, ha we haven't put a lot of paid resources behind app downloads, um, but it, it's you know something that we'd be interested in, I'm sure, just because of the metrics you know show that you know they're spending more there, they're you know spending more time in the app than they are on their mobile phone, and so if you get them for five ten bucks, like you'd make that up on their first purchase, right? For sure, yeah, I think that makes sense. That's interesting. Do you see that bear out with other uh, brands there, Eric? So we do. Uh, it's usually one of the things we recommend kind of later in the strategy. And like Curtis said, like the Aviator Nation was able to get uh, around 12% of their total revenue to come through the app without any major paid campaigns, which is, which is just awesome and just a testament to the fans out there that are willing to go through the download experience and actually uh, shop on the app and have a better experience. So, you know, there's, there's some interesting data out there for paper install ads. Paper install ads are actually the only ad class right now on Facebook and Instagram that are continuing to trend uh, downwards in cost um, and increase in efficacy, um, whereas pay-per-click and other mechanisms are actually continuing to trend upwards in cost. So that's like a good, a good space to experiment with, uh, I think especially now. I'm not claiming that's going to forever be the case uh, because there's a lot more traction on the app stores. There's a lot more uh, mobile apps out there. Um, and we definitely recommend the paper install kind of schema on the retention side. So just like you said, Eric, being able to like retarget your best 30% of your customer base um, with a paper install ad is, is, is definitely highly effective. Uh, you're going to see a, a great ROI there. We have a number of customers that have actually spent less 
on retargeting customers to their website and transition a lot of that actually to install ads with, with a really great ROI. All, all in the name of just increasing uh, long-term CLV. So that it's, it's, it's been a good, it's been a good run and uh, it will just continue to, to get better on the paper install side and the attribution. Better. It's just data acquisition too, right? It's data that becomes yours. It's you can you can get you can get an install probably a lot cheaper than you can get a purchase in a lot of cases, and then you have that channel, that distribution channel built out. That's the way I really think of uh, great D to C brands become uh, distribution channels to their audience's affinity. I feel like, and and I feel like the app just cements that a little bit further, where you literally you know have this permanent you know channel that people choose to have on their phone where you can reach them, engage them. And I, and I think the key is, is is having that delightful brand experience that Aviator Nation does, continuing to innovate on that side. Uh, Curtis, I just wanted to ask you, I, I didn't actually put this in the questions. It's something we, we ask of most podcast guests. If you don't have a great answer, you don't want to answer it, we can always edit it out. But if we were to give you $50,000, like a grant right now, uh, to be used in your marketing, it doesn't necessarily have to be on the app or in the app world. I'm just curious, where would you use that to see the most growth in the in the next level? It's not, it's not a, it's a drop in the bucket for a store with a, a hundred, you know, <laughs> yeah, hundred million sales channel. But I'm just interested to know where you'd uh, where you'd put that. For sure, um, you know, for us, we've seen like so much success in being able to get back out into the world um, and interacting with people in these really authentic ways. And so, like, we were just up in Bottle Rock last weekend for the music festival, and we had a booth there. And so, we see so much success blossom out of a community when we go there and get to interact with people and really spread that ethos and that vibe and, and talk to people about the brand, get them to touch it and feel it, um, and kind of you know breaking down that digital wall and being able to interact with people one-on-one. -on -one. Um, and so, yeah, I would probably sponsor maybe a music festival, throw a party at, a Coachella, at Coachella or something like that. Um, one, it would be successful, and two, we'd have a lot of fun, so. Yeah, and third, I'm coming. <laughs> yeah. Uh, <laughs> That sounds great. And, you know, we just did our first live event in uh, in Vancouver. We got 150 of Vancouver's like top brands together for just a big meetup and did a little content there. And it, it just went so well. And I I fully agree that the world the world really feels ready for those kind of in person things. And I feel like if we're gonna we're eventually gonna do one in, down in LA, and we'll have to uh, connect to get you guys to come out and be involved in, in that because I I think there's a like the question that I that I have is how do you build a brand that has a you know a run rate of a you know of a, nine figures or whatever that still feels like uh, it's out of a garage in that like you still have someone like you hustling to the delivery station and you know doing all these things how, how, do, how do you keep that ethos in, in a company as you grow as big as you have yeah um, we're all just really bought in um, and a lot of us started in those like lower positions or entry-level positions I should say um, and and have been entrusted with the brand to grow it and to build our channels and to learn and grow and everything like that and so we just have so much skin in the game and so the people at the top, you know, have that and the people under us see that, you know, that I'm here at 6 a.m., you know, busting my butt. And so it really makes everyone else buy in. And it's just authentic. I mean, like we really live the brand. Um, we all hang out together outside of work. Um, there's siblings that work here. There's, you know, families that work here. And so it's just, you know, we're all in it together. And the success of the brand is our own personal success as well. And, and so Paige, the founder, is really made that happen, I think. Is she still hands-on with designs or do you have a team of designers that are sort of turning stuff out? Just her. Um, she's wow. hands-on in almost every department. Um, so she'll be out. That's, that's at, gotta be part of the secret. 
Yeah, maybe. I think so. I mean, right. like, so we've opened, you know, I think five or six retail stores in the last two years, and she's out there painting the murals on them. She's designing the interior, picking out the wallpaper. And so when you see that kind of passion from the person at the top, it kind of just bleeds downward. Very cool. Any, uh, any final words, Eric, on, uh, on people thinking in our audience about, like, I'm just like, who, is there, is there someone who shouldn't build an app? Is there someone listening on our, to our podcast right now that shouldn't be considering building an app? And, and then who should definitely be, be considering building, you know, building an app? So we definitely aren't going to recommend people shouldn't try to build an app. I think it's, we have a very low barrier to entry. So I think if you want to try it, uh, you definitely should. Uh, we have plans that start at $250 a month and um, we can even, you know, provision free time just for experimentation. Um, so we, so we definitely recommend anyone who's on Shopify um, that has somewhat of a customer base um, should definitely give it a try. Our sweet spot is if you have a few thousand customers in your database um, and are really trying to ramp up the retention and customer lifetime value efforts. Um, so, so some of the best success we've seen is where the brand is really focused on gaining new customers uh, in-house and they use programs like Tapcart to facilitate a lot of the natural organic retention so they can continue pouring gasoline on the fire and like really ramping up their own acquisition, but they also have sustainable retention plays that are built into uh, the core of their business with a mobile app. Um, so that's, that's really um, what we like to see and, and having a couple thousand customers in, in, a, in a list uh, or your database really helps Tapcart get started with an audience that uh, we can market to and, and actually get adoption with. And, you know, I think a, a good comparable is like if you have an email list, if you have an SMS list, it's never too early to start to build an audience with a push notification subscriber list. Um, it's, a, it's a list that you own. It's a list, like Curtis said, that you can market to um, and get instant traction with. Push notifications are included uh, for free on our platform. So you can have thousands of subscribers to millions of subscribers. It's all the same cost. So, so I think that's, that's, that's really where we like to focus on is like on the retention, on the owned marketing. And if, if you're a business that's thinking about those two things and, and, and want to uh, experience how to do it better, then, then Tapcard and a mobile app is, is definitely a good thing to try out. So what do you want listeners who are listening right now to do? Just go to tapcart.com and fill out a form, email you. What do you say? Uh, I think that would be, that would be great. You know, we have a whole team of, of hands-on experts. Um, we you know, we're, we're happy to demo the product. We're happy to walk you through or introduce you to more of our customers. Um, and, you know, definitely take a look at some of our case studies. I think really understanding like how you can leverage an app in different verticals, I think is really interesting. So we work with not just fashion apparel brands, but we also have uh, a lot of brands in the home goods space and the nutrition space. So an app is different for every brand. And um, whether you want to leverage more content or whether you want to influence more retention or, or, uh, have a space where you can exclusively drop your, your music or whatever other goal you might have. Um, we have a really good resource on our website that you can kind of read through and check it out and, and just get some ideas, um, for, for how you might want to use an app to, to better your business. Um, but yeah, if you want to hit me up on LinkedIn, uh, you can, if you want to hit up anyone that works for Tapcart, um, they'd be happy to, to talk to you about the results and, and the process. And uh, everyone uh, should be thinking about their mobile experience. It's, it's one of the two most important sales channels uh, you can have as an e-commerce business. And, and Tapcart uh, can really help you boost that, the, the most important one, which is the mobile experience. You got me thinking about whether it would work for a newsletter and podcast business. It can. Um, I, I, just to deliver that content, you know, just I, we wouldn't have to deal with the promotion folder anymore because we know we'd be delivered directly to uh, to an app. I'll have to uh, hit you up about that. We'll we'll do some thinking. 
You definitely can. There's always a content to commerce play and we're seeing that more and more. And um, we work with a lot of DJs, music influencers. Uh, we have Dim Mock by Steve Aoki. He likes to launch kind of exclusive merchandise there. Uh, we work with Marshmello, um, who is also a DJ. He's done some exclusive music drops just through the app. So you can really see the, the, the app as kind of a VIP uh, content hub and have commerce be a secondary aspect as well. Um, so that is that is a popular play and, and it really works for uh, the fans that are out there and, and the, the customers that want to experience your podcast in a, in, a, in a deeper, closer sense. And who doesn't want to get deeper and closer with conversations like this? Thank you guys so much for coming on today. This was uh, a lot of fun, learned a lot about app development. And I'm definitely going to join the Aviator Nation uh, very shortly here because I, I got some festivals I got to hit up this summer and this is going to be the right attire. We'll be glad to have you. Nice. All right. Thanks, guys. Tactile is deeply invested in supporting guys. the D2C community and they want everyone to have access to the top mobile strategies and allow as many brands as possible to duplicate the great results that Aviator Nation has seen with their app. Learn more by visiting tapcart.com slash DTCpod. They also created an exclusive two months free offer, especially for our listeners here on the DTC podcast. So check it out. Thanks so much for listening to today's episode. If you're not a subscriber to our newsletter, you can do that right now at direct to consumer, all one word.co. I'm Eric Dick, and this has been the D2C Podcast. We'll see you next time.